0: However, standing by right now, is the one and the only, Sean Mooney, who? Mooney, everybody's got a price for the Million Dollar Man. (laughs) After he threw him off through the announce table, Taker climbs back down, he gets in the ring, and he goes, see if he's breathing.
1: Uh, Well, George Clooney, of course. (laughs) Who else could it be?
0: Attention, Sean Mooney, you scum, you slime, you maggot. If there's no further questions, you're dismissed. Carry on, maggot.
1: Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of PTSM. Coming off our episode with David Penzer, the man who decided he was going to be a part of the world of professional wrestling, whether they paid him or not. And for a long time they didn't but he was determined and he just wouldn't give up he became a part of the history of the wcw in the process uh did it all was a ring announcer there in the late 80s when the organization struggled and then was there during the glory days the rise of wcw and the now legendary 83 weeks he was there for all of that and he was also there when it fell apart and a great conversation with David Penzer. I want to thank uh, David for coming on. And, of course, we've got another uh, great episode to follow that all up. An awesome episode is on the way this week. We have, are you ready for it, The Warlord. Uh, Terry Zapinsky is featured this week. And what a fascinating individual he is. Uh, certainly one of the most massive superstars to ever step into the ring. I mean, I, I tell you, I just remember the size of that guy. Uh, when I was with the WWF, just, just gazing at him and, you know, I was around a lot of big humans, but man, he was just incredible. And, and I don't care what organization you're talking about. And, uh, what's really also, uh, so interesting is that he came from that contingent of superstars from Minnesota. Uh, he didn't go to Robinsdale high like the rest of them, you know, Kurt Hennig and Rick Rouge or Joe Laurinaitis, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. But he is uh, from that state uh, of Minnesota uh, that was really a breeding ground for some of the greatest wrestlers in the history of the business. I don't know what they had in the water there, but uh, the warlord is going to join us, just a beast. And what an incredible story, and you will hear it. But what do you say, let's get to it. Let's get to the conversation with the warlord. Ding, ding, ding. In the late 80s and early 90s, big Massive, powerful wrestlers were in high demand in the WWF in both singles and tag competition. Uh, and there were a few superstars who possessed all of those ingredients and beyond, and that certainly included the Warlord. When he stepped into the arena, he had you, folks. And after you saw him destroy other men in the ring the way he did, it was an experience you would never forget. And I witnessed it many times, and it remains with me to this day. Uh, Terry Sapinski, uh, rather the warlord, welcome to primetime. How are you, Terry? Good
0: evening. How you doing?
1: Fantastic. Hey, uh, Terry, you're about six, five. And, uh, you know, there were other men in the WWF that were that height and uh, even taller, but when it came to sheer massiveness, um, with the exception of, of animal and hawk, and I still think you had the edge there. I don't recall anybody else coming close was was that the idea then that you just wanted to be more massive than anyone else
0: yeah like everybody else i want to be bigger than everybody else
1: out there yeah i mean that's kind of how, how it was um and uh you would eventually uh you know find your way to the wwf uh, but i want to talk first though uh early on when when this all began with you and you grew up in minnesota Uh, which is like the land of superstars when you really come down to you, you know, the list is just, uh, you know, so long of all these great, great wrestlers that came out of that state. Um, but you weren't part of that Robbinsdale group. So tell me a little bit about growing up in Minnesota and how it did lead you to, uh, Joe Laurinaitis. Well, I,
0: uh, actually born in Wisconsin, moved to Minnesota when I was real young uh, lived on the east side of Bloomington, which was out by the old uh, Mets Stadium where the Vikings played. Uh-huh. So I remember all the traffic going to games every single weekend all the time. Growing up, I was a little kid and that stuff. <clears throat> then I uh, grew, moved over to the uh, west side of Bloomington, um, graduated high school over there, and uh, went to college down in Iowa. And uh, when I came home, I just kind of undecided what I wanted to do. And I started training at a gym which was called the gym, which was in yeah. Plymouth, Minnesota and, uh, happened to run across, uh, animal at that time with the road warriors.
1: Yeah. Now, before that though, Terry, uh, I want to, you were quite an athlete and I, I uh, imagine was football a big part of your life then you mentioned the Vikings where you, uh, I think the, the age would, uh, you know, considering where we are uh, men of a certain age that, uh, you know, was that during the Tarkenton era Were you were, you know, just a huge football fan?
0: Yeah, I loved uh, I love my Vikings. I'm still the biggest Vikings <laughs> fan in the world right now yet. Yeah. It's funny because you talk about, you know, football and yeah. when I was growing up actually when I was in uh when I was young I actually played soccer. I didn't play football. And really? I was on a traveling soccer team. Yeah, it's traveling soccer team. And I actually started when I was in uh ninth grade for our senior team, which was a three time state champion. And the only reason I got into football is because my uh, coaches after my junior year um, retired, and the football coach kept recruiting me, recruiting me, and they decided to go play football.
1: Wow. So, but uh, I don't know how much height you had at that point, but how big were you when you were playing soccer?
0: Uh, I was probably about one, maybe one eighty, about one eighty.
1: Okay, and and well over six, at that point.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I was I was about six four. I was I was about my six four. Wow.
1: So I mean, how old are you when you're that tall? I'm, I'm just trying to figure that you are already this this uh, very.
0: Yeah, I was, I was about that tall when I was uh, 16 years old.
1: Wow, okay, uh, and so they get he gets you into football by default in a sense. You got nowhere else yeah, to go. They
0: got me in. Yeah, <laughs> they did because I just uh, like I said, I lost my coaches. I love the coaches, and uh, yeah. the uh, the football coaches came coming and I he was he was a very good person. He was a good man, so. Yeah. I thought football would be a good thing to go to.
1: Okay, so you you start playing football. Now at this point, what are you? I mean you a sophomore or a junior. When did you actually start playing organized football?
0: No, I was uh, I was a senior. Senior in high school.
1: So you never played before then? No,
0: I played I played when I was real, real young, but not okay. since then. I uh yeah. I actually uh actually amateur wrestling AU which is a four time national champion in that. Yeah. And uh I played uh, some uh some basketball
1: and uh i played soccer wow and and so uh were you a natural at football i, I don't know imagine what they put you in there but uh at this point uh, i mean were you a linebacker lineman what where did they have you i played fullback <laughs> no no so you were were you uh besides powerful um were you have a little speed too
0: I mean, oh, yeah, I, I, you know, when I went, when I went up to college, um, my, uh, one year, I was, uh, 270 pound and I turned into a defensive tackle and I ran a four six eight forty 40 in college.
1: Uh, what, what say that again?
0: <laughs> yeah, I ran, I ran a four, six, eight, 40 four, when I was six, in college. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Four, six, eight. All I right.
1: ran. Wow. Yeah. So <laughs> that's amazing. And, uh, so, uh did you go to college what what you did you play sports
0: yeah I uh, I actually got a scholarship I got a lot of scholarship offers yeah. um that year and I, I ended up choosing uh, University of Northern Iowa uh-huh.
1: to play and, football I uh,
0: went down there they had, yeah they had that nice dome down there um, they were division two at the time but they were going division one double a then yeah and uh, it, was, it was it was nice I, I enjoyed it. Very, very good football program down there. Great football program now. Now they're in the top 10 every year.
1: Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, you're gaining size at this point? I mean, if you're, uh, I don't, they had you yeah. playing full back then, but.
0: No, I, uh, when I got down there, I, I, I was full back. Then they moved me over to uh, defensive tackle. And then I just, uh, you know, so that's where I actually started getting the weight and that stuff. I started training hard, everything else, and shot up to about 270.
1: Okay. So how long did you play?
0: I played through my uh, junior year. Um, we got a new coach, and I really didn't see eye to eye with his philosophy on the game. Yeah, so I kind of left it.
1: So you're, were you tired of it at that point, um, playing college sports?
0: Yeah, it was just kind of that was enough for a while. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. So now uh, are we caught up here? Where this uh, you end up at this gym that uh, that Joe has? And uh, he sees you. Is this about about the right timing we're talking about?
0: It was a little bit after that. I uh, okay. after I came home it was maybe about probably about two years after that. About two yeah. years. Yeah.
1: And what he just saw you? I mean, you're 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 just you're just banging iron, and he's like, "Hey, this guy's got got some talent or something." Well, how did that happen?
0: I was I was just a bigger guy. I guess I had to look at the time, and <laughs> he told me to go get some uh, pictures done. Mm-hmm. Like some pictures done. I still have my wall here in my house. I look like a, I look like a young lumberjack. That's exactly what I look <laughs> like. A young lumberjack in tights, or in, in tights. That's what I look like. It was funny looking. Oh. And the funny thing is, Joe told me he told me, you know, Terry, go get it done. So I uh, got the pictures, gave it to him, and um, he brought it down to uh, Dusty Rhodes in NWA, and Dusty loved it. And uh-huh. he gives me a call back. He says, "Dusty went down here like about uh, a week." So it's like I got a week to get prepared to go to North Carolina.
1: Wow! And at this point, uh, I know you're you around six five or so. But are you, are you what's your fighting weight at this point? Because I know I think when you were in the WWF, you were probably tipping the scale at, at three and a quarter and more. What? Well, how big were you then? Yeah, I
0: was. I, I at that time I was probably about two ninety five. I would say.
1: Yeah. And just shredded it's mass.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. I got to see a, these pictures.
0: A guy. I'm, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a, I, I love
1: Pollock. That's what yeah. I am. So that's, uh, I mean, I, I just, I want to see these pictures cause I just have to uh, imagine what you look like then. But you know, and Joe, it's interesting because uh, you know, Joe played a role in a lot of uh, superstars lives. Um, he was, uh, also, with Nikita Koloff, he he got him his start and got him, you know, said, "Hey, show up here," and uh, got him rolling with with Crockett. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know if it was uh, when it came, uh, you know, his way or or the gym was just a place that attracted a lot of people. What do you think it was?
0: The gym was a breeding ground. Listen, Minnesota guys at that time were huge. Yeah, a lot of big people in Minnesota. Every, everything in wrestling. Everybody else, it must be the water in Minnesota because that's where all the big guys came out of.
1: Yeah, I mean it is. It's amazing, and uh, I, I think that the the reason they even got in the gym is they just they got the gym is that they just wanted a place where they could work out, and uh, you know let basically in people who they wanted in and not have other ones they didn't. I mean, was that kind of what it was? It was just kind of this place uh, that became no, this brotherhood. Kind
0: of, they, they just let everybody, but it just there was just such big guys at that time. I, yeah. I always say, you know, in Minnesota, you know, what else do you have to do in the winter? I mean, you either either <laughs> sleep, you eat, or, you're or you
1: train. Ice fish? Do. Go drill a hole in the ice somewhere. Or, well,
0: I I I've I tried ice fish. That, that's another world.
1: <laughs> it, it, it is. It's just uh, I don't know how it was this epicenter for a lot. I mean, for, for wrestling, and we know that. You know, Ganya was there, and, and we, I, I get the reason why a lot of these guys ended up there because they're you know they were part of the wrestling legacy. Their dads were in it, but it's still incredible how many came out of there. And uh, had you when 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 uh, he got you set up with Dusty? Dusty takes a look at these pictures and says, "Yeah, I want to I want to look at this guy." Uh, what was that first meeting like? Because had you ever stepped in the ring? Had you any training at this point?
0: I had some training by Eddie Sharkey. Well, of course, yeah. did, did the Road Warriors. Right. He did uh, Kurt Henning. You know, he did uh, those guys and that. and uh, Rick Rude. Um, <laughs> I had really never... I'd been in the ring one time before then. Yeah. So my first show is, an, is a TV that they're going to go ahead and make so they can televise it. Right. And there's like 2,500 people in the crowd. I think when I did my first show I ever did, I think there's maybe 25 people in the crowd, <laughs> so it's like I'm sort of nervous as heck,
1: yeah.
0: you know. And and all the old, you know, of course, all the, you know, you know how the sport is. But the old, the old guys, hey kid, don't worry about it, you know. Only, only all those people you screw up, and everybody at home watches. Well, that makes me feel great.
1: Yeah, yeah thanks.
0: Oh, <laughs> so you're going back and forth to the bathroom about 10 times before you even hit the ring. And I hit the ring. I think I did three moves, finish it, boom, one, two, three. That I said, wow, this is nice living. I like this, man. This yeah. is cool. I can make yeah. a living doing this, <laughs> you know? but, uh, no, it was, it was fun. They, they gave me baby doll, which she was a hot thing at the end time, the, the NWA. And yeah. then, uh, she came to talk. And then of course, Dusty came off to talk next to her, which even gave me more of a push right there. to have Dusty come up.
1: Right. And, and there were a lot of, uh, uh, big names with the NWA at the time. And um, as I mentioned, Nikita, and he talks about uh, when we when I had a conversation with him, he talked about how much Ivan Koloff helped him. Uh, did he do the same for you? Did he uh, kind of take you under his wing, or or how did, Who was it that really helped you at that time?
0: Um, well, you know, I, I got together with Barb, and yeah. Barb really taught taught me a lot to work as a big man. We got together. We just we clicked together. Him and me just came together so nice and and ivan of course came in with us and yeah. he became our six-man partner we ended up winning the belts right and uh I, ivan was great ivan we always called the machine that was ivan the machine yeah because he could just go and go and go man it just he was incredible to be in the ring with to be around and to learn from i mean mm-hmm. Ivan was great i loved ivan i loved ivan great man
1: yeah yeah well I, like i said nikita credits you know because when he stepped in the ring he didn't know anything and it was you know, on the road. And I don't know if it was the same for you as far as you know, a university for wrestling was basically, uh, learning in the ring at night, uh, traveling to these different shows, and then the real classroom was riding in the cars between whatever the venue was.
0: Yes, it was. We we did a lot when we were in cars, we'd always talk and go through things and learn a lot from that.
1: Yeah. Uh, and you, you said that you met up with Barb, uh, you know, you're talking about the barbarian, of course. And how did that union happen? Was it just circumstance? He was there, you were there, and they said, hey, let's pair these guys up, or how did that work?
0: No, actually, the first time I came in, I, uh, I saw Barb. he would be training at my gym. We really never uh-huh. talked. And, <laughs> uh,
1: was he's there, a man of few words. There
0: for maybe, yeah, he's a very man of few words. <laughs> and if he does <laughs> talk, a lot of times you don't understand him because yeah. he talks like pigeon English. I call it.
1: Yeah, ooh, so so I, I'm used
0: to it, but if you're not yeah. used to it, you won't understand. Yeah. So I ended up being there. I was maybe in NW maybe four months, and they sent me off to Kansas City. They bought the Kansas City territory, mm-hmm. and when I got over there, I was there for about nine months. Um, you know, maybe a better rest. I learned a lot. I learned a lot over there. Um, got a chance. Guy came in from Japan, saw me, took me to Japan for six weeks, and I learned a lot in Japan.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you. Um, came about
0: back. That. Yeah, came back. Um, decided to go back to Minnesota because there's really nothing for me to learn there anymore. And about two weeks after Minnesota, so I get a call, and I don't know how they got a hold of my parents' number because my mom, my mom and dad called me. Yeah, there's J.J. Dillon that called you, and they they want to talk to you. So hmm. How the heck did he get my number up here, man?
1: Yeah.
0: So I call him back. He said, "I want you to come back down to the NWA." Um,
1: uh-huh.
0: Went back down there. And after being out for a short period of time, Barbara and me started talking. And that's when we developed a real good relationship. And the two of us, just the way we did things and our work and everything else, we just kind of, it just clicked really good.
1: So was the the powers of pain, was that something that you guys came up with? Was that uh, something that, uh, you know, Crockett or or Dusty, where did that, uh, how did that happen?
0: Another one of Animal's inventions. Oh, and, uh, I an did injury. a move with him. Yeah, I did a move in Indiana with him. Big move, put him on my back. Did this move, and I guess just when we are so big of people with all the inertia coming down mm-hmm. that somehow or another my shoulder blade hit him in the eye. And it pushed his eye back in a socket. And that's mm-hmm. when he got that orbital injury. And after that, um, he came back one time. <laughs> we sat down. Sir said brother you you guys, you guys are pain in the ass, and we came with powers of pain on that
1: oh. <laughs> that's funny how things uh how, how things come to to be uh, from different circumstances, but you mentioned it since you brought it up that that injury that that Joe had and he tells that story uh, where I mean his eye basically like popped out of his socket <laughs> because
0: uh, way he blew his nose. He blew
1: his nose and the eyes started popping out. Yep. Yeah, uh, and it was a severe injury. I mean, I, I, most humans could not uh, handle that. Uh, be, I mean, basically had his his head squeezed like a melon. And uh, yep. no, but you're, you're talking a different kind of human here. And I think uh, maybe you can confirm it because I remember him telling the story that I mean he got he was involved in like a bench press uh, a contest or something the next day. And <laughs> yeah, it was. It was
0: actually. It was actually just yeah. It was a couple of days later, because um, yeah. he was going to get he was going to get the surgery, so wow. he kind of had his eye all taped up for it. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, we went to it was in Greensboro, North Carolina, the bench press contest. Yeah. And there were so many people; they actually had to turn away a ton of people that wanted to still come in the arena. Twenty thousand people plus, and they said turn a lot of people away for this bench press contest. But yeah. it just happened to work at the right time. Because we did the, the the gimmick on it, and it came out so good that when it was done, we were just standing there, and they were they were all on the ground. You could hear a pin drop in that place. Not one person was saying one word in that whole place. It was so quiet.
1: Jeez. I mean, it was
0: just, and you see the chalk coming down. It was just like something you see in a movie.
1: Yeah.
0: I mean, it was just a wild feeling. I mean, you had goosebumps over because it. it's just a wild feeling going through
1: you. It's just amazing, though, that he would do that. Did you guys try and talk him out of it? I mean, here he had his eye basically I mean, kind he of hemorrhaged or something. You
0: talk, you've talked to Joe. You know how Joe is. You can't talk him on <laughs>
1: <That's> a <laughs> Joe, yeah.
0: first thing you do when you talk to Joe, he'll put that head back, he'll stick his neck out, and yeah. he ain't going to back off. That's Joe. Not
1: changing. Yeah, that's amazing. And I think that didn't they have this bench press was in the ring. Is that right? It was like it. No, it was it was
0: right on the side. No, it was right on the side. The rim was right next to it. It was on the side. Okay. Let me tell you. Let me tell you about the bench for one second here. We were all so pumped up for this thing. I mean, I I think Joe could have easily done over six hundred pounds that day, no problem. He was so pumped up for it. Uh You know, I mean, I know I I was benching over six. Barb was benching over six, and I (laughs) know Joe could have probably that day. He was even with a bad eye. He was so pumped up, he could have he could have bent over six. We did this thing, yeah. and I went ahead, I, I barbed him that, when, when Joe got up that thing was there. he got up and barbed him with that big boot, and I took it, I threw his head into those weights. Now, you're talking, there was around 550 or 600 pounds on that bench,
1: yeah. and
0: all it did was slow-mo, real slow, it's like, like I say, out of a movie, and it hit that ground, it cracked that concrete. Hawk's head was not supposed to be around that. It did not miss (laughs) Hawk's head by that much. His (laughs) head wasn't supposed to be there. I I, I just like, oh my god, and just like, oh, you know, just wow. This is. (laughs) I'm like, all right, thank God that didn't happen because that would be not be good.
1: Yeah, you almost personally wiped out the entire Road Warrior Tag Team on your own.
0: Oh God, in a matter of days, it was crazy. it It made even.
1: Yep, but it even made it larger than life, the whole thing. It made it larger than life. Oh, my God. Oh, what a rush, as uh, Hawk would have said. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's amazing how you guys, uh, your paths would continue to cross, but uh, you had some legendary matches with them even early on in the, in the NWA. And um, I, I couldn't help but wonder, because in a lot of ways – you were similar in, in uh, your styles, and they didn't object to that at all. They they or, or uh, it sounds like they helped you along the way.
0: They did help us. They they uh, they gave us our blessing. We right. asked them, and they said, "Guys, they said you guys are even bigger than us. This is the first time we even get a sell. We don't sell to nobody, nobody. Right. And if right. we actually have somebody now that we can actually work and sell for, and actually be real baby faces now."
1: So what were those matches like? I mean, you guys are, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you're, 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 uh, you're, you're uh, uh, landing these. Uh, that's the way you worked. I mean, that's just the way it was part of it, wasn't it?
0: <laughs> oh, it was, it, it, was, it was rough. I mean, you better be ready every single night. I mean, we were in shape. We yeah. were huge. And no one backed off from nothing. When you lay something, you laid it. And when, when you get one of those chops from Hawk, you get some of those flying things from Hawk, let me tell you. He was yeah. coming from uh, outfield. He was going all all out with it, and, but that's the way we were. We loved it that way. Yeah, and I was going to say so if
1: you didn't lay pepper. it in, yeah, if you didn't lay it right. in, they no were going to believe you. They were going to potato you, right. right, Matt. Yeah,
0: that's right. Wow. And you know what? Let like, you lay it in, and because they, you know, they work Japan so much, and Bart me work Japan so much. We just go and work like you do in Japan. I mean, when you go to Which Japan, shoot, basically, you are be ready every night because they go and they don't stop and they go full out
1: and, and uh you know as far as these these matches go i hadn't really looked at it that way that uh you're right they didn't have anybody they could sell to because they couldn't these nobody everybody else at least in the ring uh looked inferior to them so they probably yeah, loved these no
0: matches one, yes they did they had never worked or had a team that was actually bigger than them that that could do that kind of stuff where these guys could actually sell now for once in their lives which made them huge baby faces
1: yeah yeah i mean that's i I hadn't looked at it from that perspective but uh, i met god they must have loved those matches and this is all happening pretty quick terry Uh, you guys i think you arrived there in 86 uh and of course you know what's going on uh, in new york uh with with the wwf it's just exploding there um was that uh, a vision of yours that uh, at some point you would want to make that move, or were you just enjoying what you were doing and I'll wait and see what happens?
0: To tell you the truth, mine was always a vision when I was in college and I watched the first time WW ever came on cable TV. And I said, wow, I just sat there and looked the glitz and the glamor, the lights, everything. I mean, just the guys, the way they looked. And I, a lot of my football team were I said, guys, this is what I want to do. someday." they started laughing. I said, truly, I would love to do that someday. That is so
1: cool. So it was. It was always something that uh, you were thinking about. So how did the move come about? Did they, uh, I'm sure, you know, it's funny because you mentioned that, you know, Dylan got your number, uh, but it was a a, a small wrestling community when you think about it back then. All of the other organizations knew each other very well. Uh, They had, you know, traded talent over the decades, and then you've got the WWF, but still there was a lot of, they knew everything that was going on. It was this uh, underground internet, I think you'd call it, because they still knew, uh, you know, they had uh, tapes that people were giving them. They had plants in different places that would report on who these guys were. So, I mean, did you know you were on their radar?
0: For WWF at the time?
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. We we knew, and let me tell you the story of how that happened now. Uh-huh. Um, you remember Grizzly Adams? Oh yeah. He was one of the road, he was one of the road agents at the time for them.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Well, mm-hmm. when Barb and me were in Charlotte, we had we had a uh, uh, an off uh, off day on a, on a, uh, what was it? It was a Friday. Mm-hmm. Grizzly got a hold of Barb's number. He called Barb at home. He said, "Barb, this is Grizzly Adams from WWF. We would like to fly you guys in if you're off tomorrow. We'd like to fly you guys into Charlotte tomorrow morning." We have something we'd like to talk to you about. So Barb called me and said, hey, he goes, and this is what Barb talked to me, Hey, Teddy, Chris Lee Adams from WWF call us. We go to Charlotte tomorrow. He just told us, we're going to Charlotte tomorrow. Yeah, <laughs> okay, right. Barb, we're going to it Charlotte tomorrow, okay?
1: It wasn't a so question.
0: We go to the airport. <laughs> no, no, Barb, had, no. he's he, So next morning, we go ahead and okay. we go to the airport. Our tickets are waiting. Fly into Atlanta. We get to Atlanta. Big limo waiting outside for us. Takes us this beautiful hotel right over by the airport. Give us a key when we come in there. Go up to a room, open a room, and they're sending Pat Patterson, Hulk Hogan, and Babs McMahon. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. It's like, <laughs> like, oh my
1: god. <laughs> you know, like unreal. What,
0: all right, what's going on here? You know, looking yeah. around, you know, and so. Barb, and me sit down. You know, Barb really didn't talk a whole lot. You know, like I said, he doesn't talk a whole lot. We sit down. They go through their spiel, and they said, "What do you think?" I'm starting thinking. I said, "Well, God, man, we got three months of scaffold matches coming with Road Warriors for NWA coming up. Yeah. We got this and that." And Barb, first thing comes out of his mouth, "When do we start?" I'm <laughs> like, "Barb, <laughs> where'd that come from?" So they look at they So we want you to start Monday, and this is a Friday. Oh boy. I'm like, Monday? I'm like, all right, what are we supposed to do? First thing, Barb looks at me and goes, we'd be there Monday. I said, we are, Barb? Okay, I guess we're going to be there Monday. All right, and we got a big show the next day in Baltimore for uh, the NWA, NWA. defend our six-man belt. <laughs> now, this is a funny story, too, now. We go ahead, we get back that night, back into Charlotte. We go ahead, we fly the next morning up to Baltimore. Now, we don't say nothing. We get in the ring with Ivan, Barbie. We don't say a word over there. In comes Hawk, Dusty, and Paul Elling, because Paul Elling was substituting for uh, Animal at the time because of his injury. Gain ready to start the match, and also the Road Warriors music comes back on. I said, what the heck? I did not know Joe was there, Animal. Uh And... All of a sudden, here he comes out with a hockey mask on with his face paint. I'm like, wow, oh, I didn't, okay. So he comes into the ring, he tags Hawk, because Hawk was going to start with Barb. And as they're just about ready to start, he stops, he rips the mask off. Underneath, he's got his face paint underneath the mask, because oh. his eye had healed by then. And he threw that mask to the crowd, and let me tell you about the fight in that crowd for that mask. Really? We had to wait for a while, because <laughs> people were fighting. People that mess, the police had to go over there because so many people were fighting for his mask, they wanted that mask.
1: So, was that a, a, packed we did house? a match?
0: Yeah, packed. So, huh. we did the match, and you know, we got disqualified, but you know, he had to end up, you had to lose. So we still held the belts. So, we get to the back, and as we get to the back, Barb goes ahead, he grabs a can of beer, he goes up to Dusty, he goes, Dusty, he goes. We go to WWF on Monday. <laughs> like, like, oh just my like God. that. Dusty, just like that. I mean, Dutchie's jaw just hit the ground. Ugh. Animal comes over, you, shakes her hand, and says, Good, guys. That's good because we weren't going to fall off those scaffolds every night. <laughs> you guys were, you know. So, I mean, it was it was that's even the funniest story than that is that we went to the WWF on Monday. We started with them. Now, we did two TVs that, that uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. We did TVs. We ended up back, now no one has seen us on TV for WWF, so no one Mm -hmm. knew we were in WWF yet. We were back in Baltimore that next Saturday night, the same arena, sold out in in there, and Demolition goes out with Fuji. They put music on, they gave us music, they put music, now the week before the people wanted to kill us. They put our music on, we came out, we cleared the ring with them, and we were walking back. The people wanted to hold our hands and marry us that night. They loved us so much. I mean, only in wrestling can that happen only
1: but, in wrestling. But how does this, how does this deal work? I mean, I don't know how they worked back then, but you give them notice on, on a, uh, after a match on Saturday, that you're going to start on Monday. And, uh, how, did the, how did they, first of all, you say you dusty's jaw hit the floor, but also you, you have the belts. So, uh, was, <laughs> how, how did that all uh, unfold?
0: Well, I I went ahead. I I, I went to talk to Ivan. Ivan understood. Ivan said, "That's good, guys. That's great. WW is great." You know, I gave my belt back. Barb didn't tell me he was keeping his belt. He kept his belt. So Barb has the belt to this day yet. Beautiful belt. Oh. You know, but um, you know, it, it's just, like I say. You know, it's I guess it's the business world, like anything.
1: Well, they and didn't have, co- a, I mean, I don't know how, a- that's what I said, the question I was asking, I mean, they didn't have, I always wondered how they worked those deals, was I mean, uh, the contract, did you have contracts, or was it? No,
0: you know, there, it was, was no there was no contract at NWA at the time, no,
1: no. Yeah, so, they're bad uh, back then, too, I mean, it worked both ways, I guess.
0: Right, right, yeah, right. there was no, there was no, actually no contract at the time.
1: Yeah. Well, so you, you start, you, uh fulfill this dream uh, at the time. And so, first, you, you, uh, the meeting to me is just incredible. And I don't know, did, did you know Terry prior to that? Yeah.
0: I, you know what? And that's very funny story. I met him one time when I just when I just got into the school here in, in Bloomington, Minnesota. I just went to the school for wrestling. Yeah. And I was invited to go to the Met Center to watch a match. It was sold out that night. And they put us in a special spot but they brought us in the back to meet the guys. And I met Terry Mm -hmm. and he came up to, he said, brother, you're a big guy. He says, you might be here someday, brother. Maybe I'll see you down the road. And that's, that's funny because I did see him down the road.
1: Yeah. That's uh, and I guess what they have him there to just, if they they need a a sealer for the deal or something, (laughs) I mean, just thought that that might help uh, grease the skids or something. Why was Terry there? I,
0: I don't know. I listen. Any of those people, I would have signed with them in a heartbeat at that time. WF yeah. was a place to go. It was, it yeah. was, it was, yeah. you know, it, it was, it's a, it was a mecca of wrestling. It, it, it is then, it is now, and it's always going to be for life. That's that's it.
1: Yeah, well, our, our arrival time was uh, pretty similar. I got there in '88 as well, and uh, I know what my perception was. Uh, I'd love to hear yours when you when you first got there um, after. Working in the NWA, which was a great organization, but uh, it had to just blow you away to see what was going on then with the WWF.
0: It's, it's a different level. Yeah, it's, it's a complete different level. Listen, the wrestling, as far as the wrestling, was incredible in the NWA. They mm-hmm. were great wrestlers. They could perform and they could wrestle. Yeah. WF was about entertainment. Entertainment was so, it was just, that was the incoming thing now, the glitz the glamour, the lights, um, the characters were larger than life. I yeah. mean, when you talk about USA, they say characters welcome. We were the characters. We were the real characters back then.
1: Yeah. And I've had several conversations about that. Cause people of course want to try and break down that era. Like, what was it? What was it that made it you know, so great? Why do people still think so much about it? And I think you just, you hit it that, uh, you were, you were the characters, you lived them. And, uh, you know, there was this creative freedom. Uh, a lot of the times with the the, the promos you guys cut, the storylines you did, there was just a, a very different uh, uh, way they did things back then. And I also think it was just an era where you know the you know a lot of young people discovered it, and they really were. It was comic book come to life. I mean, you'd go there and just lose yourself in these in these characters.
0: You're exactly right. That that's how it was. Comic book characters that became light. They became. Li- they became- Live people. I mean like I yeah. say, the first time Barb and me went to our first T V and we come into the into the arena, going back towards the locker room, and all of a sudden here goes Andre the Giant walking by, like I'm like I got these two big bags on I'm, like I'm just staring. Yeah. Here goes you know, hoaxer go by. And also here goes Randy Savage and you know the way Randy talked, he turns and goes, What's up, brothers? Welcome to the WWF. Nice to have you here. I looked at Barbara said his real voice
1: and yeah. i dropped my
0: bags couldn't believe exactly, that was his real
1: voice
0: yeah. i always thought it was just a gimmick voice it was his real voice
1: uh, sounds like you guys were like kids coming into the backstage I, like I, was, I was like
0: a kid they got a big lollipop now and this is cool man this yeah. is great
1: well and i mentioned when i when we started this conversation that you know the big men were just um, i mean vince was uh you know, bigger, the better. And, uh, we, we did have certainly, you know, so had some high flower flyers, the rockers, and of course, you know, some others, but it really was the big men era. And, uh, and also it was a great time for tag teams. I think we had as many tag teams as we had singles, uh, superstars. So, uh, that also had to be pretty awesome to come in like that. And then when, when tag teams were just so big in wrestling,
0: I love I love tag teams. Tag team was so it was such a different time for tags back then. Actually, the tags yeah. they went together hand and now when they do them, they just kind of throw them together now. They really wow. don't mean much together. Back yeah. then, they went together and it was just everything was just so beautiful when it came. I mean, the tags look incredible together, and they were fun yeah. to watch.
1: Oh, absolutely. And uh, I think when you first came in, uh, you guys came in as, as uh, baby faces because they wanted you to work with uh, Demolition. And had you uh, ever crossed paths with with Ax uh, and Smash, Bill and, and Barry before that? Yeah, I
0: actually met. Uh, I didn't. I did not know Bill, right. but I met Barry. I met. I actually knew him from NWA because mm-hmm. uh, he had he had gone over there because um, I worked with Barry a couple times at NWA. And then also when I, uh, when I was first with to W., then I went to Kansas City. And yeah. when I was in Kansas City, he had just made the move to WWF at the time and yeah. got together with Bill, and it became Demolition. Yeah. And I went to a show in Kansas City when they were there, when I was in Kansas City, and I went to see Barry and say hi and that stuff. You know? It was pretty cool seeing him come on that outfit and just like, wow, Barry. That's, yeah. that's awesome. That's cool. That was really
1: yeah. neat. Yeah. And it's amazing, though, through a twist of fate that he ended up with Demolition because, uh, was it Moondog Rex uh, was the original uh, that came up with the idea for Demolition, but he was so well known that it didn't work. And that opened a door for Barry, right place, right time. And, uh, you know, just what an incredible uh, tag team they were. Were they a tag team that you uh, admired uh, before you got to the WWF?
0: Oh yeah, I watch them on TV. I thought that they, were, they they both they both went together. Like I say, as a tag, they went together great. And the yeah. outfits, the outfits were so awesome. Look, I love those outfits.
1: Yeah, no kidding. So uh, working with them the first time, uh, and you guys had a, a bunch of matches, but uh, did did it go well or did it take a while?
0: No, it actually went it actually went well. You know, but, I mean, you know, you got. You I was the, I was a I was a young one. I'm the young boy out there, so mm-hmm. I know. So I'm still learning. Even at that point, I'm still learning a lot all the time. Uh-huh. Um, it was. It, let me let me just say, Bill had a lot of experience. Yes. So you could listen to Bill a lot. Mm-hmm. Barry was in it for a quarter while so he had a lot of good experience. Barb had been around, but Barb was a good, worked as a great big man, and that helped me a lot. Um, but you know, it just, it, it was one of those things again, that, that clicked together. We could work nice matches with them and have, have, uh, you know, that made a lot of sense that people loved in that stuff.
1: Yeah. And what was that, what was that time like, uh, Terry, when you were, because I, I've talked about it many times, the, 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 uh, incredible schedules that you guys had to, uh, adhere to, oh, to be on the road back then now, people don't see that today at all. It's, it's a long gone, uh, era, but. When we were doing, uh, you know, house shows, pretty much every single night, some double shots. What was that life? From what you remember, uh, you know, a typical week for you.
0: I, I don't. I, I still remember this day. People asked me. I yeah. said, you know, it's a work. Probably about 300. We were going at it about 320 times a year, and people's sure. jaws just dropped to the ground.
1: Yeah, I right, said right. this is
0: one of my. This, is, this is one of my weekends. I told him on one time. I, I started out. In Minneapolis, I flew to Washington D.C. that morning to do a show at the Cap Center. Mm-hmm. Did the show at the Cap Center that afternoon. Had to go back, catch a flight out of Washington up to Boston that night to do a show in the Boston Garden that night. Did show in the Garden.
1: Yeah.
0: After that night, had to fly the next morning all the way out to Denver, Colorado. Got in Denver, had to do a show in Denver that afternoon. Drive down to Colorado Springs that night, do a show in Colorado Springs go back to Denver to catch a flight off the next morning up to Seattle. Did a show at Tacoma that night, caught a flight out of Seattle the next day to go down to Phoenix, Arizona, did a TV in Phoenix, drive to Tucson, did a TV in Tucson, had to go back to Phoenix, fly to Dallas, did a show in Dallas and then go up to Madison Square Garden the next day.
1: And this is the span of how many days?
0: like uh, maybe six, five, six days, maybe five days or something. Wow. Yeah. That was a short one at the time. That was just a five-day. Then you get <laughs> some of those where you do like a 17-day tour.
1: <laughs> yeah. You no, know, you're I doing
0: – but, but people realize in the wintertime, from starting from about November all the way up to the rest of the day, you're doing two shows every Saturday and Sunday. You're doing two shows in yeah. different cities yeah you're doing them
1: yeah and and they would try to uh, to group you in different areas where they would uh, and and that would consist of say i don't know how many times you would drive and then you would hop on a flight and go somewhere else and then do a, a, a two-city tour there because the cities were close enough um and, and was that the same and was it always did you and uh barb just travel together or did you team up with other guys or was it just you
0: no, when we were together, we just pretty much traveled by ourselves.
1: Yeah, but it was that that. But it was that's the way it worked, and, and you know, the guys would go uh, between cities, and there was still a level of kayfabe. I mean, it wasn't uh, you know something that it would you'd get fined or anything. But for the most part, they didn't like the baby faces or the heels mixing when they were out, and it was. Uh, it, it, it's just when you try, like you just explained, and people listening to that are going to say that is incredible. That was what, 200-something days a year? Because you didn't get many days off.
0: No, we. I, I was lucky if I got uh, four days off a month.
1: Yeah, just amazing. Uh, what were some of the other tag teams that you really enjoyed working with? Of, of course, later you would uh, you know, see with the Road Warriors again, but, um, but who were some of the other teams? And I always wanted to uh, uh, like the fact that one thing that they would do is they would do they would mix these big teams again with against a small team like they would have uh, the Rockers go up against Demolition or uh, you know against you guys and how did those matches work when it wasn't just power on power?
0: That, that's that's one of the best some of the best matches we ever had yeah. in uh, WWE as a tag was against Rockers. Yeah, um, Marty and Sean were. They knew how to bump. These guys could, they knew how to work with big men. And they knew how to, you know, when you get a big man, they knew how to double up on you. But they also knew how to take those bumps, and they took some serious bumps. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's one where I was in Madison Square Garden, remember, they always had that big light over the ring. I gave Sean, you know, Sean a backdrop. I turn on, I didn't see him yet. He actually hit the light. He got so high in the air that he hit the light above him. Holy. I was like, and then he came to us in my time, Sean, where are you? <laughs> I know I gave you a big ball, but my God, I mean, you know, he actually hit it. Uh, I mean those those two were they were they, they were a great tag team. They knew each other well. They both could wrestle and uh like I say, they knew how to work with big tag teams.
1: Yeah, and I I, I don't I, mean, I should give W W F credit, WWE credit for, because before that, it, it seemed it was always the you know the big man against the big man. And if they were going to do a high-flying match, it was going to be this high-flying match, everybody all over the place. And I, uh, like, like you mentioned, I enjoyed those matches better when you would see uh, a, you know, a, a tag team like Powers of Pain go up against the Rockers because if they were uh, good workers, if they knew what they were doing, those were incredibly entertaining matches because they had to get creative to make it work.
0: Yes, they did. We, uh, like I say, um, the the rockers are great. It was it was some of our best matches we ever had in that, and you're um, just just a lot of fun, and the people loved it because you do. You got David and Goliath out there. That's exactly what you yeah. have.
1: Yeah. And at this point, I mean, you're weighing uh, three twenty five or uh, plus, I would think. And yeah, I was I was, I was always was. amazed. I mean, how did you think your mobility was? Because I was amazed at how you moved in the ring.
0: I got as heavy as I could, as long as I could still move good and I could breathe good. Yeah, you know, I didn't want to be too heavy. You know, every once in a while, you know, I'd bend over and tie those shoes and catch my breath a little bit. I said, "Oh, maybe it's time to back off and wait a little bit," you know.
1: Mhm. And what was your what was your workout regimen then? And and uh, you know what were you putting into your body at the time too? To keep I was that eating
0: so. just about anything. Anything you just about possibly things. I would eat cake, ice cream. You know, back then it was just about getting calories because we would burn so much every single day, you know, in the ring, um, between the gym and in the ring. We'd burn so much and you weren't going to get fat. You definitely weren't mm-hmm. going to get fat. So I said, you want? what, I'm going to eat as much as I can. And if I have an hour layover in the airport, I would run somewhere to find something to eat real fast. Any chance I had, I was putting food in my body all the time, all the time.
1: And what about uh, other help? What kind of supplements were you doing to get that size? Because everybody was doing
0: it. Well, yeah, I'm not going to lie. I took I took steroids back then. I'm not. There's no. There's no reason to lie. You know, it's the way it was. It was that era. It was like baseball at that time. Maguire and Sosa. What do you think Mm -hmm. they were doing? But they saved baseball because of that. Because baseball was going down. Those two saved the sport of baseball. And people want, like say, people want to see the monsters. They wanted the monsters out there. So you did what it took to give the people the monster. Yeah. That's what you did.
1: Now, were you concerned at all at the time, though, uh, what it might do to you, or were you? Uh, nobody really knew, and it wasn't like this, uh, you know, that people thought they were breaking the law or something. It was just things that enhanced you.
0: You you don't, when you were so young at that time. You just think you're invincible. You didn't huh. you didn't care. You doing whatever it took to get where you had to be at. Yeah.
1: So I mean, so you didn't feel any. There was no uh, effects from it that you felt might be harming your body at all at the at that time.
0: Not at all. None. Yeah.
1: So at what? How how big did you get? Because I I just I, I'm telling you, Terry. I just remember looking at you know, and just I I don't remember seeing. You know, they had big men, but you were just massive. I I don't remember ever seeing a human being that was that big, like muscle. I mean, how how big did you get?
0: I got to about uh, 340 at my biggest.
1: Yeah. And you were benching? I
0: benched in mid six plus, (laughs)
1: 650 plus. Yeah, I was. It's like a Volkswagen on a a bar.
0: Yeah, I was I was on a different planet at the time. It really was. Huh? And, and the funny thing is, people ask me, and I said, that's what traveling... I mean, imagine if I wasn't traveling, how strong I could have been. Yeah. You know, that's with all that traveling. You're not getting much rest. You're not getting a proper rest of your body needs. Everything else, I said, you know, how, just how strong you could have really been in life.
1: Yeah, so, uh, and uh, that's another part of the lifestyle. You would have to get to a town. Uh Find a gym then find a you know then you've got it you've got to eat you've got to get you've got to get some sleep and then you've got to get to the arena and so did you have uh, you know, places in every town you guys would all go to the same place and how much of a workout could you actually get say a, a, in a week How many times could you do it
0: well I had a, I had a regiment I was I was a very regimented person mm-hmm. if I had a seven o'clock flight I would be able to you know, back then of course you didn't know, like today with the TSA crap, you didn't know, have all that stuff. You, know, you could go through security in two minutes back then and beat your gate in five minutes. I mean, it was so mm-hmm. simple back then. So, if I had a 7 o'clock flight, I'd be up at 4.30. I would always get a big breakfast. Mm-hmm. As soon as I get to where I got to go to, grab your rental car, get to the hotel, I would eat again. Let my stomach rest about an hour, I would go to the gym. I'd go to the gym for probably about an hour and a half, hit it real hard for an hour and a half.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Get back, I would go ahead, take a shower, eat, go to the show. As soon as I'm done with the show, I would eat. Get whatever few hours I could in bed, and same thing over the next day. That's how I did it every single day. Everything, yeah. was, everything was around me eating all the time to keep those calories going in the body, to keep the food going, to keep the body going all the time.
1: And, you know, Terry, there was, there was a lot going on, and we've, we've mentioned it many times. It was the rock star's of life. I mean, you guys were, you know, the hottest thing on the planet. And there were a lot of temptations. Uh, were you able to to stay clear of that? Did you not go to the bars, or, or, you know, was it to you? Was it was it business all the time? How did you approach that?
0: I, uh, you know, I would I would go to the bars, say hi to the guys. I never got cut up in that life, thank God. I never got cut up in in where the people come and say, "Hey, I want to be your friend. I'll give you whatever you want. Here you go." Yeah, I, I wasn't like that. Thank God I wasn't like that because I'm still doing good. Yeah. Um. And a lot of my brothers, of course, weren't, and I I, I loved every single one of them. You know. Um, yeah, we lost so many. From, a lot of people just couldn't stay away from that temptation in life and that. Um. But um, you know, it, there, There's so many people that like to say they want to be your friends, but they want to do the wrong thing for you. Mm-hmm. You know, and that that's a problem. That stuff, you know. My my biggest problem I always had was, you know, I, I was a womanizer. Back there. I was. I'm, I'm, I was a womanizer, and I shouldn't have been, but I was. So.
1: Well, uh, you know, uh, you weren't the only one on that bus. I mean, it was...
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I, I, I I'll never say nothing bad about anybody, because you know what? Yeah. I got ghosts in my closet. Same yeah. as everybody else, I got ghosts in my closet too. So I, I leave it at that. I I never hurt anybody. I never did anything bad towards anybody. You know, I just did some stupid things when I was on with women when I was married at the time, which was stupid. It was very stupid of me.
1: Yeah, but you were able to uh, to get through it. Was there a point? Uh, you know, like I said, there was a lot of temptations on the road. And, uh, uh, you know, and Brett has talked about it before. And that he said in some ways that saved him, that he he did that. Because he said, I would have been in, in bars probably doing worse things. But you get, you know, yeah. everybody's going to, you can't judge. I mean, these people uh, weren't there. You, you you don't know what that lifestyle is like. But uh, it, it sounded for the most part, though, that it was a business to you. That Where did that discipline come from where you said, I would be up at 430? I mean, did you always answer the bell or the, the call, you know, the, to, to be where you're supposed because
0: to be? Is, well, this was a decision I made in life. This is what I want to do. If I want to try looking the best, trying to be the best I can in that stuff, then you got to mm-hmm. be you got to be that way, and you got to stay on top of it all the time. Because the second you get away from it, you're going to screw it all up. Yeah. So if you stay with it all the time, regimented all the time, you're going to say what you want to do and stay the course.
1: Yeah, you know, and uh, I never understood this, but I think, but in 1990 they split you guys up. Uh, what was going on at the time? I didn't know what happened in the, behind the scenes. Did it just that one day they just decided? Oh, we're gonna we're gonna split this this team up and and have you guys in singles. Uh, what led to that? Because I thought you guys were over big time.
0: You know, to this day I really don't know. Um, all I know mm-hmm. is they came up to us and said, "Listen, we'd like to split you up." Uh, basically, they're saying like, you know, I want you to work with Hogan down the road, and you mm-hmm. to work with Warrior down the road. Barb, we're going to give you this outfit. Terry, we're going to give you this outfit. Mm. That's, basically, that's basically how it was.
1: And were you uh, really upset at the time, or were you just trusting that, hey, they must have a better plan? What were you thinking when it happened?
0: It, it hurt because I love being with Barb. Um, yeah. I thought we were a great tag team together. We really were in that stuff, you know. Um, but, you know, I also understand that they brought in Joe and Mike there at that time and i know they're going to start pushing them hard over there you know and okay. i understood all that from a business point of view you know and there's i have no ill feeling what's that towards that you know um it's just it's it's just a part of the business and you got to look at it that way and, and do you, you know, think and, that's and what it outfit, came down to i think that's what it came down to
1: that and they also, didn't, you know, they
0: the there. Yeah. yeah i think that's pretty much what it came down to is that they were coming in and this is what's going to happen
1: yeah and did you feel lost for a time there in singles? I mean, that's not something you had done in a long time.
0: <laughs> I was. At first, I yeah. sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm dead serious. I sucked at first. Huh. It's been a long time. Yeah. When you get into a tag, you, you get into that rhythm of working with your partner, you know, and you know each other so well. and all of a sudden, you're doing it on your own. It's like, okay, I am kind of lost here now. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like going back to ground zero and starting to try starting from very ground up again.
1: And how long did it take you?
0: It took a little while. Thank God they gave me Tito Santana. Yeah. And Tito was, as we all know, is a great worker. And oh, Tito yeah. helped me a lot. Yeah. He helped me a lot to get me back into the groove again.
1: Well, you worked with, with Slick, too, right?
0: Yeah. Slick, uh, yes. Slick was a great guy, but uh, yeah. what a talker.
1: <laughs> what a yeah, talker. and I was going to say, what was that experience like with with, uh, with Slick?
0: Oh, Slick, I, I, like I said, I love Slick, man. Slick was, he could talk. I mean, you know, <laughs> the man, the man I mean, you know, he's he's got his own congregation now today at Fort Worth and all that stuff. I mean, he's a great talker.
1: Great talker. Yeah. The real deal. Um, what, what stands out from that period? I mean, you, you, you uh, had a thing with the uh, the British Bulldog uh, at WrestleMania Seven. Uh, what stands out during that part of your your time with the WWF?
0: Um, pretty much, you know, during the time when I was singles and that stuff other like you know, I I love working with Davy Boy. Davy Boy was a, he was a he's a big guy, looked great, great athlete. I mean, you know, he he, he just a you know just a super super good person that stuff you know and yeah. he was over with the people huge i mean he was over and then the other one i loved working with as i love working with brett the hitman hart for the intercontinental belt i mean brett yeah. i always said man if you could not work with brett you should not be in the wwf because that guy could work with anybody
1: yeah no kidding and make him look like a million dollars
0: and make him look like a million dollars Yes. yeah
1: yeah but do you think that it just never really happened after that in singles that uh because you would leave in in ninety two uh did you just feel like they were they 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 tried to give you a couple of pushes and then that was it
0: yeah, that's how i felt yeah but you know I was still a kid at that time yet i really i didn't understand it as a true business mm-hmm. i don't know i just i you know where most of the older guys they understood, i i didn't I treated it still as like a kid yet mm-hmm. if I if I was there now I would treat it totally different be a whole different perspective on it but you know it was just like you know just just like it still was just like glitz and glamour all the time to me like having a big guy uh, being given a big thing of candy to you
1: yeah so if given that if you knew then what you know now how, how would you have done it differently
0: oh I would have been I would have been there here all the time <laughs> Like I thought, like I knew a lot. Like Jake was a lot of other people were in that stuff. Always be in the ear in that stuff. You let them know, hey, you, blah blah blah. You, I'm here. Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's try this. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you know, just you, you do it a lot different down in that stuff. Always be in their face all the time. You know, right. So I'll you kind of yeah, so you laid back.
1: Yeah. So you kind of laid back and just let them decide what they wanted to do with you all the time.
0: Yeah. Let them decide all the time. Yes. Yeah.
1: Well, that happened to a lot of people and, 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 uh, you know, others that maybe weren't necessarily as talented in the ring, but, uh, like you said, knew how to sell themselves or had a, a different ideas, uh, you know, ended up getting, uh, big pushes and that's, that's kind of the way it works because, you know, you are your own business in the WWE that that's it. They're independent contractors. And that means that you are independent and nobody else is selling for you if you're not.
0: <laughs> you're right about that exactly, yes. Yeah.
1: So when when uh, after you left that and uh, left there in 92, uh did you just work for a bunch of different organizations Were you hoping you'd get brought back? What what was that a uh, period of time like for you? Cuz you were still in in yeah, great I shape.
0: Actually, yeah, I actually worked for I, worked for I started working for a lot of independents around the country and that stuff yeah. everywhere and went overseas some, went to Japan and all that. Um you know, but you know, as in an anything, you know, you can only do that for so long and everything kind of starts to fizzle out a little bit, you know? Yeah. I mean, you know, it was, you know, I, I, I enjoyed it. It was fun at first and it just kind of started getting old after
1: a while, you know? Well, and also that was thing. not a great period of time for independence either. That the uh, nineties or those early nineties were rough and, and was, yeah, was was rough. It, You're right. yeah. yeah. it's a good book and then uh you know then going to the wcw though would it, uh, you know that was a time when you know they were starting to build momentum and uh how did that opportunity come about because you were back with barbarian
0: yeah but they they wanted to do that they, the mass thing
1: super um, assassins I forget, I
0: forget, yeah super assassin exactly yeah, yeah. and it just you know we go out there and everybody knew who we were i mean you couldn't i mean how do you not tell as big as we were you know, we come out, everybody's going, oh, Lord, barbarian. I mean, like, oh, great. Okay, well, this is dead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I what do you do? Nest. Everybody knows it's you. Yeah. Everybody. Everybody out there. So just Could kind you of not, a dead thing in the water. Did you
1: not own the name? The Powers of yeah, pain? I yeah, mean, we own,
0: pain? Yeah, we own but, the Powers of Pain, right.
1: So why didn't they let you use that and come in as they,
0: the, they a... They wanted to try some of the super assassins. Oh, boy. That's what they
1: wanted. Yeah. Why use something That's that, that works? <laughs>
0: yeah well i mean i i i don't run the business, so I can't say nothing you know and so I said, okay, let's try it I mean, hey, you know, but
1: i yeah. just,
0: when you got going, everybody knew it was you it was just too big inside those outfits,
1: yeah yeah, and then uh uh misfortune uh, would come your way in ninety six with the uh with the car accident. How bad was that accident and what happened?
0: It was pretty good. it was a pizza delivery kid uh so pizza, going at nighttime, I was making a left-hand turn, he had no lights on, he was speeding, and boom, nailed me, because you couldn't see him, and uh. Uh, it screwed up my neck pretty darn good. <laughs> I mean, my neck, I, it's never been right, if you look down my right hand now, you can see all the nerve damage on it and that stuff. I mean, my right hand is like so much smaller than my left hand now, and of really? course, you know, the right side of the body from the nerve damage um, isn't quite the same size as the, the left side anymore, you know? It's all for the nerve damage for the neck and
1: that. So, would have that accident killed a normal, normal human being?
0: Prob probably. Um, it was it was a good jolt.
1: <laughs> it yeah, was because good. I mean, I, and I and I make light of it. I shouldn't, but uh, but the fact that you uh, you know were this massive person who had quite a, a you know muscular uh, you know structure. Did you think that that I mean, it was as horrific as it ended up being uh, kept you from being hurt even worse.
0: Oh yeah. Of course. That muscle saves you. You got the traps, everything else. It's like your neck only goes so far and that's it. You know, otherwise a regular person would probably jolt it all the way back.
1: Yeah. So why in 2001, I don't know how you did some, uh, getting yourself put back together. Would you get on a motorcycle?
0: (laughs) Yeah, that was another one. Oh God.
1: (laughs) That even what? Four or five years later?
0: yeah hit a hit a slippery spot um bike slipped from under me, and of course you know I pulled my foot out and you got an eight hundred pound bike and I could squat, but eight hundred pounds on one leg a a little bit much you know I went huh. down to the ground um I was sitting there, thank God I wasn't scraped up or hurt anything because I wasn't going very fast, you know and uh I went to extend my bend my right knee a little bit, and all of a sudden, my kneecap is sticking straight out. Okay. So I kind of put my leg straight again and kind of shook my head a little bit, you know, and tried it again. It was sticking straight out. I said, oh, brother, it's screwed up. There's something, something happened here. Um, got taken to the hospital, and uh, they went and did some x-rays. Yeah, my kneecap had had come apart, and mm-hmm. uh, my uh, I cracked my kneecap in half went to the next day to get MRI and <clears throat> showed that, uh, I, I, uh, tore all the, uh, quadricep out, all that stuff. So, um, not, not fun. I, uh, had to get, I got surgery on it. Guy did a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, had to send a leg cast middle summer in Florida with a leg cast from my groin all the way down to my ankle in 90 degree heat every single day having to go around because i was too heavy i was really too heavy for the crutches i had to use a walker i yeah. couldn't put any pressure in a leg and the really thing that sucked about it is i'd be going on the walker be a 90 year old man they're coming on the walker and he kicked my ass going down the street leave me behind <laughs> that really sucked
1: yeah wow you were in bad shape um and you know yeah. at at this point and i'm sure even in 96 that you were uh you're still you know very you could Certainly get back in the ring. I think you were in your mid thirties or so at this point. Uh, was that it? A realization in two thousand one that it it wasn't going. You were never going to get back to the level you were, or were you believing that you could do it?
0: No, no. It was. It was the time was done. The time yeah. was done. Uh-huh. And plus, at that time, you know, um, pretty much the WW was really in the mold of they really didn't want guys over thirty years old anymore.
1: Yeah,
0: they're going through that mold at that time. or pretty much if you're over thirty. You know, unless you were around her a long time before, they really don't want you.
1: So what is this period of your life like? And what do you what are you thinking of? Uh, I don't know how much you had saved or what are you thinking? Okay, so where do I go from here? What did you do at the time?
0: Um, well, that 2001, when that happened, yeah. um, September 11th, you know, you're watching it on TV like everybody was. And first thing I decided, I'm going to start getting into the security world because that's where everything's going to be, security. Uh Security's going to be huge everywhere, bodyguard, security, all that. So I uh, started getting into that world, Um, got the training, everything else. And a guy comes in and said, I really, and at this time I didn't know who the person was, I want you to come bodyguard for this uh, rapper. Mm -hmm. I go, okay. I didn't know who he was, and also I found out was 50 cent. (laughs) And that's just when he had become become really hot at the time.
1: Right.
0: And uh first time I mean I I tell my my stepdaughters, oh, I'm gonna work you're working for fifty cents. I said, Who is he? I don't even know who even is at the time, you know? Right. So go up there, um, fly up to New York, meet him and that stuff. Also you start going around everywhere. I mean and he was a busy man at that time. I mean it was he was on the go at the time.
1: Yeah, he's doing and, business uh, deals and everything.
0: Yeah, he was and let me give him a lot of credit, man. He worked hard, man. He he didn't smoke. He didn't uh, do any drugs. Didn't drink. He would work out whenever he could, all the time. And he would work, work, work all the time, trying to make that money. Um, but uh, he was uh, very nice man in that stuff. I I really like I like being around him. He was a good person to be around.
1: Yeah, really. Person. So you got to know him pretty well.
0: Yeah, I was with him for quite a while. Yeah. Yeah, oh, went maybe. over to Europe with him, his first European tour. Um, when we got over, it's funny because right before we went there, we were in uh, New Jersey at the time. We are actually in uh, downtown Manhattan. We did a – he wanted to drop into this radio station, surprise him. So we yeah. dropped in, and when he got on the radio, all of a sudden all these cars started coming around the complex with the spinners on them, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we have – there's four of us bodyguards. We go around the building a little bit. And also, we look, you see this one SUV down the road, but we kind of go towards it. You can see these guys come up. You see they had something in their hands, but I know they had some guns in their hands. Ooh. All right? Good so guy. we get back. We let 50 know, hey, we we'll are pull up to the side of the building real quick, get in here, and we're out of here. Because yeah. he was always in a pull bulletproof uh, um, SUV all the time. We would always be right behind him. So we get them. We go, through the, go through the, uh, out to Jersey, get to Jersey, get to the hotel soon as we get to the hotel, we get them in the hotel, we come back out. All of a sudden they start. we started getting shot at out there. It was like probably about 15 shots. Really? You know, we just, all I did. We, yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. We got behind. I just got behind the SUV and just sat behind the SUV, you know? And, uh, then after that, nothing for a while. And I, you know, I guess they took off. Um, they really didn't hit much. I don't know if they were shooting. I guess they were just shooting handguns, not very good shooters. Um, but uh, we nope. grabbed uh, fifty, put him in a, put him in one of the uh, um, armored SUV, and he was—I didn't even know where he was even going. Cause they wouldn't even tell us. They just took him, They had a place that, they, if it ever happened, they were bringing them to, you know. Yeah. So we we go back in and ask them, and of course a little while later, all the Jersey police came in, and you know, blah blah blah, and that stuff, you know. And I said, and then they come yelling at us, and like, I, I got this. I got up, I said, what the hell are you yelling at us, man? We didn't do shit. Yeah. You know, we didn't do nothing, man. They shot at us. We didn't shoot at them. And you're yelling yeah. at us, yeah. you know? And uh, <laughs> to this day, the other bodyguards always laugh about that because I was up in their face. I was so mad.
1: Oh, yeah. I was so wow. mad
0: about the situation, you know? But, um, yeah, it was, um, it was crazy. And, and so the next day, we had to fly to California to start shooting a video that he was going to shoot out there. Yeah. And when we get out there, also I'm looking at the bottom of CNN and the caption saying 50 cent shot at blah, blah, blah. It's all great. You know, now it's, now it's everywhere. Everybody knows about it. And we did the video two nights, had to go back to New York that day and fly out straight to Europe. So we get to Europe and everybody thought the European tours out there was going to be canceled because we were shot at, you know, they thought something happened because we were shot at,
1: Yeah.
0: but we were still going ahead and, um, we were still we still were there, ready to start the tour. So our first two days weren't that great. Then all of a sudden, people found out we were there. Now, all of a sudden, every show was sold out. I mean, we did three shows in a row in London, sold out. We did two mm-hmm. shows in Rome in a, in a row, sold out. I mean, every show was just crazy packed, crazy wow. packed.
1: And why uh, at this point, why were they still trying to take him out? Uh, was this like some street beef from years ago, or was this uh, record yeah, company stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah, you know how it is with the, the you know, the, remember the West Coast, East Coast stuff and all yeah, that, you know? Yeah, yeah. This was something to do with, um, God, I can't remember the name anymore. Um, it was about a song that he did. And one of the girls that, that did the song to believed it was her song and not his song. Uh, there's a big beef about that in fact we went we got we went to london and we had to go to a big awards show there and he got three awards there and we were going to our table and her crew was sitting at our table and so when we got there they saw us and they ran real quick because we were just a hell of a lot big hell of a lot bigger and a hell of a lot tougher than they were uh, you know i mean it was just i learned a lot from that business being around and seeing the crap that goes on there too
1: yeah
0: a lot of crap goes on over there
1: yeah uh yeah and i know you uh also did some security work for some other celebrities and we'll get into that but um before we we do get there you had uh mentioned that uh you know not a lot of people talk uh highly of of jim helwig of the warrior um and you're one of the few though that has a, a differing opinion uh, you know i work with jim and, and it wasn't like I never had, a, you know, any major issues with him. He was just a different guy and he was not from the business, but you had a different perspective on, on the ultimate warrior.
0: Yeah, I've been, i been around Jimmy. I, I love Jimmy. Jimmy, I, I understood Jimmy. I always said, Jimmy is Jimmy. Let mm-hmm. him be that way. Yeah. If you, if you understand him that way, then, then you'll know who he, what he's about. I mean, Jimmy was, Jimmy was a kind of a different kind of planet person.
1: <laughs> yeah. You know,
0: I went to Europe yeah. with Jimmy. I went to Europe with Jimmy um after he left uh WF at the time. Did a big tour with him and and got to really know Jimmy very well over there. And Jimmy mm. had a good heart. He wanted a lot for all the boys and that stuff, you know. I mean, he did his best when we were over there they were trying to screw some money and Jimmy stuck right with me the whole time man, and again all everybody's money. He didn't cuz he already had his money. He didn't, he didn't have to do anything. He didn't have mm-hmm. to care, but he did. You know, yeah. he put everything on. He said, I'm not doing no more shows unless these guys all get paid. Yeah. You know, which I thought was a uh, was great, you know, because he didn't have to. He didn't have to. He was a big superstar already. He didn't have to. Yeah,
1: you know, and he and, was uh, a very different person. I mean, there's there's no question about it. I just think that he didn't know how to connect with these guys. And, of course, when you come in the way he did, and was really not even given a chance to, to – you know find his way it was just suddenly he was just like boom and i don't he was think thrown he, in. yeah and and uh and there was immediate resentment so you can't do anything about that that's just going to be there and i just think that he never really you know people would say well he just he didn't you know go in the locker room he wasn't that well was he ever given that opportunity to really be one of the boys i don't know i don't know if that ever happened and i certainly can't speak for it but maybe you can
0: I had been through that in NWA with Lex Luger. Lex Luger was the same way in NWA. Mm-hmm. He was thrown into a different thing there, but he was just thrown up, boom, right to the top. Yeah. No going through anything, no anything else. He was shoved right to the top. Yeah. <clears throat> and when that's all you know, because that's, that's what you've been given, you don't yeah. know any different. You don't yeah. know any different. Jimmy was a good person. He was a nice guy. He really was a nice guy. He was different. Yes, he was different. Yeah but he did have a good heart, you know, and he was for the boys in that
1: stuff. He always was for the boys. Yeah. Hey, Terry, this has really been fun. Uh, you know, and it is just amazing. Uh, you never know where the road's gonna take you, but you have got to look back and and, and just look at those uh, that time so fondly. And I've mentioned it many, many times. My listeners are probably sick of hearing me say it, but there was there's a select number of humans that get this opportunity to have worked in the world wrestling federation or wwe as we know it today and uh you know there there's nfl teams and look how many players get to do there are not many who get the opportunity and you have got to feel like that was just an incredible accomplishment in your life
0: well you know like i said i consider myself very lucky to become not only from the greatest era i believe in nwa that there was because that was a Dutchie Rhodes sting lex luger um you know, Arn Anderson, Tully Blanchard. I mean, incredible people there. And at the key Koloff, not only to be a part of that, but to actually go to the WWF. And I believe to be a part of the the most incredible time there was in the WWF, you know, with Andre the Giant, Hulk Hogan, Randy Savage, Ultimate Warriors, the incredible tag teams that were there. Yeah. I mean, I consider myself so lucky to be a part of both of that, you know. Yeah. And then, of yeah. course, you know, after that, you know, you get action figures. I mean, how many people can say they got an action figure in this world? No kidding. I mean,
1: not me. And I tell people, I no miss that. Yeah.
0: And, <laughs> and as I say, no matter whatever happens to me in this world, if I'm yeah. not around someday, yeah. I'm here yet because people have my action figures. I'm here forever. Yeah. I live forever. No matter what. I live forever. Yeah.
1: Uh, Any, uh, I don't know what your relationship with the WWE is now, but uh, do you, are you in contact with them? Has there been any, uh, you know, you coming back and doing stuff for them at all?
0: No, not really. You know, WWE moves on, you know, they, they pretty much don't do much with the older guys anymore. Um, I would, I would love it if they do because, you know, and even I say, you know, at at my age, I'm 57 and still in great shape. You know, I, me and my partner, yeah, you, know, you know, we could still, you know, we'd still do shows, and then we're the last tag from the generation. We're it. Yeah. We're the last tag from that generation. And we still go out and do great shows for people. Still
1: do. Yeah. Well,
0: you know, we could still step uh, in the ring with anybody they got and perform.
1: Well, I'll tell you, that uh, that isn't necessarily, I think, what, what uh, we need to see happen. But uh, I would love to see you back in there with that uh, Legends and you know what, Terry? It's a, like they say I, I've never known an organization where "never say never" is more true. So uh, we, we yeah. will wait and see, but I'd love yeah. to see that happen.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. Listen, and I, I, you know, people. A lot of people have always asked me about Vince. What do you say about Vince? I said, listen, you know, Vince. You know, Vince can be an asshole like anybody, but he's a businessman, and we yeah. understand from a business point of view. You understand what Vince is about? Yeah. He, listen. I. You know, so many. You know, so many guys have said they hate Vince. I don't hate this. He gave me opportunity, not only on a national level, but Mm -hmm. on an international level, to become a a big name. And he gave me all kinds of merchandise, which, you know, how many places are going to do that for you give you all this merchandise? They don't. So I consider myself very lucky, you know, and I'll never have have ill-filling storm, ever. Never will.
1: Well, Terry, I hope that uh, we run into each other down the road somewhere. I'm sure it'll happen sometime, but I want to thank you so much for coming on Primetime.
0: Of course, always. Thank you.